Oh, that's way too loud. So many folk holding on to their ears, blasting their eardrums. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready Podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, I'm very well. Early morning podcast. We are together in I Ready Towers for the first time in I don't know how long in your incredibly impressive new studio which is out of this world and just delighted that I was able to come along and we could get this recorded, Derek. It's fantastic. Yes, I know, but more pressing things we've got to talk about. Burn it down, Dave. Sack everyone and burn it down. <laughs> I mean, that's what I meant to say, Dave, isn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to look at it a slightly different way, especially the last game, Derek. We'll get into the first game, which we all know is very disappointing, but uh, I am trying to find a sort of... Silver lining in the wee cloud for the game at the weekend. I mean, all rationale's gone completely out the window, hasn't it? I mean, of course we've got issues in parts, and of course we don't want to be losing cups, especially to that mob. But the way some people are carrying on, I'm convinced they actually love when we lose, and it gives them a platform to constantly moan. Derek, it's what being a Rangers supporter's all about, isn't it? We've, we've been doing this for so long We've been through the extreme lows, we've been through the highs, but certain things will, will never change, mate. No, certainly not. The goodwill from the European campaign in 55 is definitely <laughs> gone now, isn't it? Truly yes. over. <laughs> so, without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So the first game we've got to cover was Sunday the 26th of February. It was at Hamden, the League Cup final mm. against Celtic, and we lost 2-1. Dave, you were at the game, weren't you? I was there. I had a fantastic day up until the actual game started, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I was there with my son. It's the first time that he's been accompanying me uh, at a, an old firm game, first of all. And obviously, it's the first time that we've sat together at a... Cup final, so I was really looking forward to it, Derek, and stupidly, maybe feeling a wee bit confident where everybody else wasn't, and, you know, I think within the first five minutes of the game, I kind of had a <laughs> bit knew that things weren't going to go to plan, but I'll let you get into that. Well, that's the funny thing, is I think there was an air of confidence because of the way we played against them the last time, where we should have won it if it wasn't for a lapse of concentration in the last last couple of minutes, so... It was nothing to do with that, it was the manager, it was the wrong decisions, you made the wrong substitutions, Derek, you're oh. off your head, it was nothing to do with tactics. So, in the game, we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Lundstrom, Kamara, Tillman, Sakala, Kent and Morelos. On the subs bench, we have McLaughlin, Hadji, Jack, Cholak, Cantwell, Wright, Arfield, Devine and Raskin. Now, straight away, Dave, yeah. that was, I think that was a game up straight away there. <laughs> 
Derek, there was, we were hoping all week that Tillman was going to be fit. And as soon as I seen him in the starting 11, I thought the game the week before against Livingston was a precaution. That's what I thought. He's obviously, hasn't he been as injured as what everybody thought he was? And he wasn't going to risk playing him on the surface. He's, he's going to be totally fit for Celtic. We were going to be well up for it. Really disappointed, like everybody else was, that Raskin didn't play. But at the same time, I thought the manager obviously knows his fitness levels. He knows he's not played a lot of football. Maybe he thinks it's too, you know, too too much to put him in. But in hindsight, he was maybe the player that we were looking for to try and control things in midfield. So, uh, wasn't surprised to see Sakala on the right. He's now become a mainstay playing there. And I was just hoping that his tongue-in-cheek comments during the week weren't going to come back and bite him on the bum. I was hoping he was going to be well up for it. But, you know, at that stage, that was the only real change I thought we could have made was was Raskin playing it in there. But it wasn't to be, and I thought he's just going to go and try and run them down in midfield and hopefully Tillman can get a wee, wee bit of magic. But it wasn't to be, Derek, was it? Well, well we've got a big post-mortem after the match yeah. as well, so we'll get into to that. But the game itself, for me, the first half I thought was fairly open and even game until the last few minutes of the half where we've shown our defensive frailties. And on that point, Celtic probably did slightly shade the, the game at that point as well. It was played with a fair bit of pace, each team closing each other down in midfield, and it was just poor from the final third from both teams. I don't know if you got that impression, Dave. Derek, I actually thought it was a dreadful first half. Mm. Dreadful. And as I say, I, I spoke to my son and we looked at each other, and I was disappointed the fact that we weren't pressing them a bit more because I didn't think that they showed much at all. Celtic didn't show much to us whatsoever. As you say, they maybe slightly shaded it, in midfield, but I just don't think we got going whatsoever, and maybe if we had a few more opportunities, then we might have put them under serious pressure, but there wasn't really much at all, as you're about to get into. We did have the first opportunity on the 13th minute, it was a chance for us, with a short corner that we messed up as Celtic closed (laughs) us down, no change there then. Some good play to dig it back out though, and then Lundstrom had a blistering shot, but it was blocked. Celtic had a chance in the 21st minute, a long ball over the top of our defence. McGregor charged out and blocked the ball just as the player was just about to have a shot. 22nd minute, the ball was still not cleared and a shot from Celtic and a sh- from a short distance and a good dive and save from McGregor. Our best chance of the half on the 31st minute was a lovely move getting forward, ending in Tavernier on the right, across on the deck, just for Sakala to tap it in, but a great sliding tackle out by Vickers there. Yep. Just really unlucky that there, and a great defensive work, unfortunately. Probably about the first time that I can honestly say that Tavernier managed to get free on the right-hand side, Derek, and we've been saying it for so long. Get Tav more involved going forward. That's when he's at his best. That's when we've got something different to offer in these big games but it, for some reason these days it just doesn't seem to happen No 42nd minute Celtic had a cross from the right no marking and a glancing header from the penalty spot just over the bar and that's when yes. we could all see the writing was on yes. the wall at this point Celtic were pressing more they were getting more involved up in the final third we were giving them the space especially from crosses from the wing and we completely outdone ourselves because in the 44th minute more or less a carbon copy Celtic went 1-0 up the ball was on the left across in the deck Trundles past Tavernier Goldson and Davies not one of them stuck a leg out a Celtic player managed to get a swipe at it and then put it into the middle and it fell to the other unmarked player I think it was Kyogo who kicked it into the back of it no marking whatsoever Derek that's the worrying thing about this goal absolutely nobody on Kyogo and he had right in front of goal 
with no one near him and a complete empty net. It's just it's it's no it's no good enough, Derek, is it? And we've seen that goal yep. so many times. Yep. And then the half-time blew from there, so a, a real kick in the nuts for that one there. As I said, Celtic slightly shaded it, yes. but we're still in the yes. game, and that was the big point for me. It was clear, though, that changes were needed because we're losing out in midfield yeah. all the time, but no changes came once again. Exactly. As you say, especially the sort of last, say, 10, maybe 15 minutes of the first half, we seem to be just chasing shadows constantly in midfield. We were going nowhere. And again, Derek, I don't know if you picked up on it. Within the first five minutes, I could tell that Tillman wasn't going to last this game. He looked really jaded. He wasn't his usual self. He wasn't put, putting the tackles in. He got quite a hard tackle in there as well. I don't know if that's set him back. But for you, for, like what you've said, for us to come out in the second half with the same team was a bit baffling because you could tell that a few players were off it and a few players just weren't fit. And when we, we had a relatively strong bench, Derek, that's what, what, what got me as well. So baffling. And as you picked up on as well, the the, the, the warning signs were there just before they, they scored. We had a feeling they were going to up it and they did just that one instance and then that was us going into halftime chasing the game already. Yep, I mean, Kamara and Morelos were poor. As as you mentioned there, Tillman not looking his usual self, obviously still injured. We're needing that more bit of dig in midfield. Didn't he get forward more with more invention? Raskin and Cantwell would have been ideal coming on yes. sooner or later, yep. but as I said, no changes. Into the second half though, Celtic had a chance on the 55th minute, a cross in from the left, Davis with a vital block to stop it going into the back post, and then a minute later Celtic made it 2-0. Tavernier with a great tackle to win the ball back in our defence, then he gives the ball away. <laughs> How many times have we seen that? It was not dealt with, a great through ball mind you, through our defence to the left side, a cross on the deck, Davis allows Kyogo to get goal side and slide the ball into the back of the net. Yep. Really, really simple, all stemmed from Tavernier giving the ball away. It was a great through ball, can't take that away, but he should never have been allowed to get goal side of him. And again, quite similar to the first goal, Derek, onto the left-hand side and the ball cut back across the face of the goal and we just can't seem to deal with it. So I know not identical, but the move was very similar and you know the outcome was obviously the same as well. We just don't seem to be able to block out these low crosses for the byline right in, into the, the, the centre of the box. Whether it's a low cross or a high cross, these are right in, into the, the, the middle of the box for, from the break. We just don't seem to be able to deal with that. No, certainly not. And you know what, Goldson's thoughts are going 2-0 down as oh, well, the game's over at that point. <sighs> However, there was a glimmer of hope on the 64th minute because Morelos managed to pull a goal back and make it 2-1. It was a free kick from Tavernier from the left side at the edge of the box, into the back post. Morelos, who was under pressure with lovely control with one touch and his second touch stabs at home with, the, with his other foot. Brilliant goal. Yeah, it was. It was a great finish. Morelos, as you said, done very little, Derek. But to be fair, he didn't really have much service. So, to be fair, he was there. Poacher's instinct managed to get on the end of it and score and give us a glimmer of hope at that stage. And from then, for the next wee while, as you're about to get into it, I thought we actually played quite quite well after that because that's when the changes were made. Yeah, because a minute later, we were lining these changes up, I think, before the yes, goal went in. Yep. Celtic made a double change at the same time, but we also made a change as well with Lundstrom, Tillman and Kamara off, Raskin, Cantwell and Jack on. 
exactly what the way the, the game should have been set up like in the first place. As you said, we were on the ascendancy at that point and it was really all us for the next 10-15 minutes. It was, Derek, and as I say what we're going on, it, it just it shows you the full midfield taking off and replaced in that one move there, which is very strange to see your entire midfield get taken off in a one-er. So it must have been showing quite clearly to the manager. So again, why did it not happen at half-time? I don't know. No. Double substitution for Celtic on the 75th minute, and we made a substitution as well. Morelos off and Cholak on. Now, a lot of people online and on other podcasts world have been deriding that decision other than the goal, I don't think Morelos was actually shown anything in the game. He had a very quiet game, Derek, but I think momentum, I think the fact that he had scored and you could see he was totally up for it from them, I have to agree he wouldn't have been the player that would have taken off. I'd have maybe I kept him on and brought Cholak on as well to try two up front. I know we don't seem to like doing that, but I don't think he should have t- taken him off at that time, just, as I say, purely for momentum reasons. But who do you bring off, though? That's the thing. So you've taken off your, your midfield 10 minutes before. New midfield, do you take off Kent then? There's a creative player, you know. So if you were either going to take somebody off, who do you do it for? Or you, do you leave it the same way? Personally, it would have been Sakala, who I think had an even quieter game. I think... They were up for completely marking him out after his wee comments midweek. Don't think he's very effective, and as I say, the it's, you know we'll speak about the chance that he has as well. So possibly I would have taken Sakala off, but I know that they don't like playing two up front. But maybe it was needing that Derek. It was maybe needing a wee change to change things up because taking one striker off for another striker, you're not really changing the way that you're playing going forward. Again, it's all in hindsight, Derek, but personally, I would have kept Morelos on just purely for momentum reasons. 83rd minute, Abada dives into the box to try and get a penalty and gets a yellow card. Clear a dive as you want, Dave, isn't it? totally, yep. 84th minute, Celtic had a sub, and we make a substitution as well, Sakala off and right on. 88th minute, ball played into the Celtic box from the right, evades both our players. If they just managed to get a wee toe poke on it, that would have been in the back of the net because it was more or less an open goal. 89th minute, McGregor made a big save with his legs. 84th minute, Cantwell takes out a Celtic attacker. Celtic play on as they have possession. Shot by the other attacker and a big save for McGregor out for the corner. And then 96 minutes, Celtic had the last chance. They go 1v1, but he manages to put it wide. I always think, see when you just go go for broke and you, you flood the, the attack, you seem to lose out in the midfield. So it's always the opposition that gets the ball more that's exactly what happened this game so that's how the game ended out Celtic winners of the cup another cup down Dave exactly Derek another cup down and we spoke about the first half Derek they really weren't up to much at all in the first half Celtic I think they were there for the taking unfortunately we just couldn't raise our game and that's the worrying point for me Derek is our players just didn't look up for it at all in the first half you know a cup final and I really think Again, I'm repeating myself, they were there for the taking, especially in the first half, and we just weren't up for it. No. So, the file that I've got, the post-mortem of the Celtic game, Dave, it's been absolutely mental on Twitter over the last week and a bit. We've taken a step back. I mean, you, me and you both missed the game live at the weekend. We've, we've watched it back since. Yes. So that's the reason why we weren't out in the, the post-match there, but... We never posted anything because I was just looking at Twitter absolutely scunnered with it because I think all sense of 
perspective has been lost. Uh, I, I get that we've lost another final, but everybody was getting it. It was coming from all directions, and I was like, there's no clear way through here. Now, Bill, for me, he's the reason why we lost that game. He tried to be too smart. He's came out and clarified, and it's the exact thing I said in the post-match of the game. He thought... Or we played with that same or similar team against Celtic and we done well the last time. He referenced the fact that it was the same team we played against Hearts and we dominated them. He thought he was being smart with that one there. You do that if you've got a settled team who are winning week in, week out. We've not got that day of the no. now. So for him to bring in two new players who are in the positions that we need, where we're getting overrun all the time, for him to turn around and say, I'm not bringing in players for just to sit on the bench or to, to be a bit plat players, they're, they're going to be starters, to put them on the bench, he's made the big mistake. And the fact that, as you've said, no changes at half time when it was clear and obvious, this result for me is clearly down to Beal. The whole thing at half time, Derek, I can tell you by being there and the consensus of everybody that sat near me in the game. As soon as the second half started, I think about 99% of the supporters in that stadium went, no changes, seriously. And if that's like the vast majority of supporters that can see it, and I'm sure it was probably the same with the so-called e experts on TV and radio that there was no ch changes made, that was quite baffling to me. E even one change in midfield, I think, w would have made a huge difference because, like I say, I keep saying it, Celtic weren't that any great shakes in that first half, Derek. No. But we were just worse than what they were, and it, that's that's the annoying thing about it is that if we'd have stepped up our game at any point, I think we could have been back in the game even at one 0 Yeah, absolutely. It's just the lack of it's going back to the Gerard days, and you know, Bill got a lot of praise for what Gerard done. Well, this is the exact same pattern what's happening again with the, the lack of changes. Now, I've seen comments about, you know, get Beal out, sack him. I mean, if you want to sack him, clearly you know nothing about football. I think he's been naive, especially with this game. He needs to be less open in the press conferences. But if you can't see that he's turned a drawn and a losing team at points round to a winning team and he's getting these results, then go and just pick another team, please. One comment I've seen, this is the, the word in verbatim here, it's unacceptable to lose to Celtic. I would rather have lost every league game under Beal and won on Sunday. The players don't get it. No, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have wanted that. If this is the reactionary bullshit you're going to come away with, go and just pick another team as well. Because it's just, you're doing that for likes there. He's ultimately trying to say, I would have much rather lose every single league game and win this cup. No, because we'd have been sitting in third place now. It's pure raw emotion. I think, uh, again, I'm going back to it. If Celtic had came out and completely steamrollered us, I don't think reaction would have been as bad as this. I think everybody was seeing just how poor we played. And that's that's the more annoying thing. Considering how, how well we have been playing recently under Beal, you mentioned the Hearts game there. That's by far the best performance we've had all season was in that game. We were absolutely outstanding. But I just, uh, again, I, I just keep go going back to it. It was clear to us it looked as if half of these players, especially in midfield, just weren't fit. So why were they playing? You know, and is it as, is it as simple as, oh, well, they all played well against them the last time we played them? Because surely that can't be... You can't count for that. No, you can't. So uh, it's, it's puzzling. It's annoying what happened. It's... 
you know, it's as if we have went back to square one. It feels like that. I know it's not, but it felt like that in the game. And I know when I left, I just felt more pissed off than I did disappointed in the way that we played rather than actually what happened in the game. Yeah. The next people to get it was the boards. Now, they were getting it into the neck for, for basically not backing managers after 55 and they've sat back, which... To an extent, I could, I, I can get yeah. get behind there. The, I think there, there was an expectation that after fifty five and after the European campaigns, we were going to spend big. I, I don't think we were ever going to do that though, because the, up until this season, the directors are still backfilling the shortfalls. It's only this season I think we might have not have to use directors' money as, as loans for for uh, shares and all that kind of thing. I mean, going back to the whole Gerard time. He had a remit of getting into the Champions League. He failed. He then wanted to keep his 55 squad together, which the board backed. And they didn't commit to player sales, which is one of the key pillars of getting money in. Whether we actually got big bids for these players, anybody's guess at this point. Now, there was complaints that we, we, we didn't spend. Well, if you don't sell players and you don't make it in Europe, which is two of the key pillars, where's the money going to come from? We have spent, maybe not as much as we expected, but we've got a concerning wage bill just now as well. I think we're, we're more than Celtic, which is incredible. We've got a very heavy squad. So we have backed the, the manager with players. The injuries this season certainly haven't helped. That's that's mitigating circumstances. However, folks saying sack the board. I agree to an extent with some positions. You can't sack the board. It's a, a voted on position. Plus they are the ones who effectively own the club as well. However, I do agree with we need a more cutthroat CEO. Robertson's been there for, for what, eight years, I think, now. Yeah. He seems too nice. So in that part, I do agree. But if you're talking about Sack and Park and all, all these people, just remember they're the reason why we have a club. As much as fans have put a lot of money in collectively, we would have been sunk if it wasn't for their money backfilling it. I think the vast majority of these are more being aimed at the likes of Ross Wilson. Uh, who oh, I've got a section about him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's the one that's been get t- taking most flack uh, over this, just with the the lack of player recruitment and stuff like that. I do I do get it, Derek. We've we've given new contracts to the likes of Connor Goldson, uh, who me and you have spoke about numerous times, and I've defended them, but I'm now starting to. You know, the same mistakes seem to be creeping in there. Well, I've got a section about that as well, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll leave that to then, Derek. But as as you say, the the board are important. They've bailed us out so many times. Is it just a a normal reaction for supporters to, you know, we didn't really want to slag off the manager too much, so we'll go for the board instead, you know, just to, to, to vent our anger? We've seen it so so many times now, Derek. Unfortunately, again, me and you seem to get back into speaking more about off-field antics than we do on-field, which we were hoping after 55 that we wouldn't have to do so, but no. it's creeping back in there. Is there a, a perception, though, that, that from the board that because we got 55 with such ease that season, because we've done so well in Europe without putting a massive, massive amount of money in, did the board maybe think, well, if we can do that with putting a fairly minimal amount of money in, can we keep going doing this? Does it come down to the fact of the country that we play foot football in? You know, potentially. Does it come down and again? I don't want this to be this podcast to be about them. 
the run that they're on, Derek, is quite incredible. And we would in, in any other Celtic team o- over the years, I don't think would have pulled off as many victories as they have in a row or been as so far ahead in the league. You know, you can even go back to when Brendan Rodgers was the manager. I reckon we would have thumped Brendan Rodgers' team right now that won, it, won everything. These things you can't account for. I still think that they'll have to go through a bad phase at some point, but unfortunately for us, it's not happened. So we can't account for that either. And the border might be thinking, look, this is Scottish football. We shouldn't have to be spending mm. millions and millions and millions to be top of the league and be way out there. And I tend to agree slightly. I've always said that. I think if you have if you've got the right management team in there, you could basically go out and you know, up until this season, that's what I mean. And you could go out and buy a load of quality guys that are free agents. You maybe have to pay quite a lot in wages. But you could go out and and and, and win the league with that in, in a normal season in Scottish football. But this has just been unprecedented and that's no way me putting excuses in for you know how poorly the team have played in times but since Beals came in Derek the performances have been much much better the team have been winning I mean we said it in the last podcast we could end up with 100 points this season and my mates have even said the exact same thing in that respect technically been a successful season but it's a complete failure of a season if Celtic get 101 points and that's what the game is all about yes. isn't it yeah no you're you're right Derek and as I say go, going back to the Cups you know, if they have an incredible season in, in the league, we would still expect, and with the squad that we've got, to try, you know, to, to be able to win at least one of the Cups. But as you say, that's one down straight straight away there. Yeah. So the next thing, Wilson. Now he's getting it in the neck as there's a perception that the players have signed have all been duds. I mean, there's no leeway with that. They're all duds. I mean, there's been many failures, absolutely, but there's been many successes also. He's also getting the blame for the players being injured, which is just absolutely nonsense. As far as I'm aware, John Souter has the only one that has been signed with a known history of injuries. Now, he was a free transfer, so the outlay on him was nothing, obviously. We've got his wages, and yes, he has picked up lengthy injuries, so that's a, a, a big issue. The issue for me has been not moving players on, letting the team go stale and not having players ready to make bids on. That is the big issue for me. The likes of, if the, the bid did actually materialise, getting rid of Morelos when he was at the most successful. I mean, us fans have got to start to get used to, if we get success, high-value players and high-value assets have got to get moved on when they're hot, not allow us to just run contracts out like we did this time. So in terms of the, the players, I mean, I've got a list of players here that Wilson's apparently signed. Now, Hadji, been out for probably going to be a year and a half all in because of his injury. Can he help that? Camberry was alone. McLaughlin started off well. His confidence was shot. Bassey, in fairness, we yep. got a mega sale from him, but he was only actually good for about six months. Balligan, quite injury prone, but decent. Itton, I don't think he was actually given a proper run out. Roof, outstanding when fit, but he's never fit. Zungu was alone. Right. He has bits and pieces. He's not the greatest of player. Simpson was poor. Again, I don't think he was given a proper run out. Off the ball, heart issue. Lundstrom, outstanding in the first first part. Injured for most of this season. Now, that's a, a mystery to me because everybody's getting on Lundstrom's back. Yes, he has been poor, but he was the greatest thing since sliced bread last season. 
Next one, Sakala. He definitely has something. He's not consistent. Bakuna was poor. Sands was alone. Suter has been injured. Diallo was a joke. Ramsey. I don't think I heard anyone, and I kid you not, Dave, anyone say that was a bad signing when we signed him. No. If he stays fit. There was other fans of other teams were like, wow, that is an actually incredible signing. It just so happened he was injured most of the time. No. No. And he will be forever held as the arsehole that lost us the cup as well. Don't talk about the final. (laughs) Cholak, he's obviously a player. Lawrence, great player, but he's been injured. Matondo, jury's still out. Tillman, there's something there. We could sign him as well. Davies, I think he's been decent so far. Ridvan, again, fuck knows. Cantwell and Raskin, great players so far. I'm not going to say too much more. So, it's been a mixed bag, absolutely. But try and tell me everything has been a load of shite with, with, with Wilson. I don't think it has. And you cannot legislate for loan players. Yes, you're maybe not going to get the best out of them. There are maybe projects at the end of the day, but they're there to, to fill in gaps and not have big outlays. Can you imagine if we had signed you know, some of the players like Camberry, a decent enough player, but not great? Can you imagine if we had signed Sands? He was alone at the end of the day. Derek, it, it goes back there. I mean, that list of players there, there's, I'm, I'm going to like say three players off, off of that list who we have not seen a lot of from, who I think could be absolutely outstanding for us. And because of injury, we've not no been able to. First of all, John Souter, who I honestly think is a fantastic player and a fantastic defender. And if we could get him injury-free... I think could be taking the place of Davies or possibly even Goldson. That's how highly I rate the guy. Uh, you look at Tom Lawrence, he's never been injured in his career, Derek, yeah. until he comes to us. A player who we were all so looking forward to seeing, a guy that can score goals for midfield, he's injured. And then the big enigma for us is Ridvan. We've paid all that m- money for him. We saw him come in and be by far our best player away against Napoli. By far our best player. And we thought to ourselves, right, finally, here's, you know, I think we've got a player here. He ends up getting injured as well. And you go on to guys like you've already spoke about. Kamar Roof can score goals. I know I'm not his biggest fan, Derek. We we know that. But there's no doubt he can score goals. Always injured. Ryan Jack, I think, is a phenomenal player. Would be in my team every single week. Always injured. You know, it's the injuries to these guys. Hadji's been out for for so long as well. You've hit the na- the nail on the head. We cannot, we cannot go on anything when it comes to injuries. It's just it's it's one of these things. that seems to be b- bad luck with us, but it's constantly happening for some reason. Why is that? Was it Gio's training? That's what I've been hearing. Oh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's tra- training methods has got ev- everybody injured. I've heard that so so many times. I'm going back to my point that all, all of these players, a lot of them that we've signed on free transfers, which I think if they'd have been fully fit, are capable of being in a Rangers team that could win a league. Exactly. I mean, you don't need to spend a lot of money no. to, to get a good player. Morelos is a great example of that. I mean, if you want to take it back, Larson for them at the end of the day, I think 250k they cost and look what the player he turned out to be. I mean, injuries, there has to be an inquest at the end of the season about why we've got so many injuries. I have never known a season like it. No. Even going back to the Walter Smith days, his first era when we were pl- training on tatty fields and the, the lifestyle of a footballer was completely different to, to it is now. Today, footballers are highly tuned athletes. The best tra- training facilities that, that you can ask. Exactly. But 
you know, it was a, a culture of drinking pies, you know, back in Watersmith <laughs> day. So the uh, the only season that I can think, Derek, where in- injuries have been as bad as this, and it was purely because of the, the amount of games, just when we got to the UEFA Cup final, when the amount of players that were injured yeah. at the end of the season. But look at the amount of games that we'd played that season. You know, it was, it, it was to kind of half be expected. This season's is baffling. Going back to John Souter, Derek, in hindsight, I'm so glad that we never paid the no. the money that Hearts were wanting for him last season. And that's what I keep getting for Hearts fans. We told you, we told you he was like this, but blah, blah, blah. The same Hearts fans that said he was the best player that they had by far and were raging that he was away. And I keep reminding them, so glad that we never paid any money to use for him. Aye, it's, it's very disappointing in, in that side of the team, Derek. And as you say, there needs to be an inquest to find out why so many players are picking up so many serious injuries. Yeah. Just going back slightly, I mean, I want to talk about the perception of the team as well. People saying, you know, like, oh, Lundstrom's a big dud and all that kind of thing. Somebody on Twitter put out his own player ratings. Now, I think we've found out who does the ratings for the Daily Record and the Scottish Sun because they were just absolutely a fucking joke. And I just want to highlight too here, they've got Lundstrom 3.5 out of 10, yet they've got Offabore who, bearing in mind, who has never kicked a ball for uh-huh. Rangers, four out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to get your bunker nuts on Twitter, but for fuck's sake. But ultimately, for me, losing big games comes from a core group of players that have been in this position yeah. multiple times before. The 55 season is an outlier. It is not the norm. I've said that before. The issue for me as we lost the same goals season after season. The two big culprits for that, Tavernier and Goldson, yeah. they've been mainstays in the, team, in the team. And I know that we were praising in the last episode Tavernier for his Hall of Fame induction, which he 100% deserves. His stats 100% justify his inclusion and you can't get away from him being a great servant. I mean, somebody commented, we'll never find another right-back who hits Tav's numbers. Absolutely correct. But I'm going to counter that with, effectively, he's got the stats of two wingers there with his assists and all that. I've said it before, but we've relied on him far too much. And when he's off his game, which he has been this season, he's an empty shot. But he's a liability in defence. Yes, he can put in a shift and do some great goal-saving tackles at times. But you've seen against Celtic, he played a massive part in the first goal and he gave the ball away for the set in the midfield for the second goal. Something we've seen him do time and time again. Goldson. Absolutely, we did miss him when he was out this season with his injury, but look at the defence we had in his absence, James Sands and Leon King. (laughs) So anything, anybody coming back, a proper recognised defender would have been better than that pairing. I mean, the first goal that Celtic scored, This is I wanted to highlight this, Goldson was caught in no man's land, he points to Tav to go for the ball, Goldson couldn't decide which attacker to track, he ends up tracking nobody, in which if he had tracked the man he should have been in the first place, he'd have prevented the flick on into the middle. We've seen that time and time again from Goldson as well. That and the ball being knocked over the top of him as well. The goal we conceded in the Europa League final, both down to Tavernier and Goldson, the exact same type of goal we've seen all previous season, all seasons beforehand. Time and time again, it's the most mundane, simple goals we get beat by. Not worldies, mundane, simple goals. Now add in Barisic, who on his day can be brilliant, but he's a liability in defence at times. Adam McGregor, who is now, he can do some good saves sometimes, but he's past it. It's the same four players at the back, costing us time and time again. 
McGregor can almost get a buy for what he's done with us, but the other three, it's time for better. Bear in mind, Tavernier was bought by Warburton for the championship. That's true, yeah. Let's talk about Tav very quickly, Derek, and I've, I keep saying it. Tav can give us something completely different going forward that no other team in Scotland has got. A guy who can go from defence and score goals and, and make goals. So why can't we adapt our team and our defence to make up for those mishaps that he would have and make him concentrate on going forward? And I don't mean turning him in, into a winger. I'm talking about keeping him as a right-back, but having him in there to score goals and to create goals. Why have we not came up with something for our defence to adapt to him basically no put, putting him in these positions? Because I do feel that when he, we've got him playing, if we do get him put, pushing forward, it has given us that extra incentive. It proved in Europe, Derek. Mm-hmm. It proved against the likes of Borussia Dortmund and it proved against uh, Leipzig and all these teams. And the seasons before that in, in Europe as well, Tav was a, like... It was like having a you know a complete difference maker in the team, and it was because we're doing that. Why in the last three managers have we not found a way of saying right, Tav, you didn't have to worry about defending, just stick to that role that, that you've been doing, and we we will adapt. I find that v- very strange that we've not been able to do that. Goldson as well. I said to you last season, I was pleased that he had resigned. But as you said, time and time again, it seems to be the same types of goals. He doesn't be able to change his game. He doesn't seem to be able to improve on his mistakes. We saw Goldson playing his best football when he had Hollander alongside him because I think Hollander was an outstanding defender, even although he got slated for not being fast. He was excellent and it made Goldson look a better player. I don't think Davies is a patch on what Hollander is at all. The jury's still out on him and it think it shows you Goldson's defensive frailties as well when he's not got a top-class defender alongside him. No. And you, you hit the nail on the head there. This is now three managers this has happened under. Three managers, Gerard, Gio and now Beal, were losing the same type of goals, yeah. were doing the same type of play. There comes a point when it's not the manager, it's the players. We've had different systems, it's now down to the players. You're talking about a rebuild this this summer. You're looking at McGregor going, Davis, Hellander. You know, you're talking about Morelis potentially not signing a deal. Arfield. Arfield, Ken, Jack, Kamara, or, you know, potentially off the board if we depend on... We've got a, arguably a morality issue with that there. We can't just send him on his way at all. At the same time, Derek, we've stuck by the guy for how, how, how many years now? We've paid his wages and uh, and stuff like that, but if there's no chance of him actually going to be coming and playing, I think the team have done well by him, to be fair. So, yeah. I mean, this is the thing, people were slating the board for, oh, it's, it's an absolute dereliction of duty if we haven't offered Kent a contract. Now, apparently we haven't offered Morelos or Kent a contract, but there's a big difference between having a conversation and saying, right, do you want to re-sign for us or, or not? What's the point of offering if you've already had a, a conversation with these players and they've said, no, we don't want to sign? People slamming the board for that reason. They don't know the full facts of it. Now, the, the Rangers board get a hard time a lot of the time. Now, you just look at when we go to sign a player, the, the, the likes of when we signed Raskin, 
it went down to the wire because Rangers were perceived not to be just putting the fees up there. Mm-hmm. It's not just Rangers having to put the fee up. You've got to get the club to agree. You've got to get the player and the agent to agree as well. Rangers are not the only party in any agreement. That's any and every agreement. It doesn't matter if it's a commercial deal, a deal with a TV company or deal for signing players. Rangers are only one party in that. So to turn around and say, Rangers, this is pathetic, get your get the finger out, it's sometimes not always just us that, that are the issue in that one there. And that's the same with players signing contracts. But anyway, Dave, we've still got another game to cover, haven't I know, we? I know, Derek, we've been speaking a lot about that, but I think there was a lot there that need, needed to be said. It's extremely disappointing what happened. I think at the end of the day, Derek, it was more frustration how poorly the team played and everything else is just sort of ballooned from there, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, it's just been a hellish kind of couple of weeks. Uh, it's not going to get any better anytime <laughs> soon. You know, Bill's going to need to get another window. We're going to need to act fast, get the t- players be- embedded in. But again, it all depends on the, the other clubs as well. It's not just down to us. So I keep saying it as well, Derek, and I'm, I'm going back and I'm starting to, to s- s- sound like a bit of a fanboy. I think defensively, the sooner that we get John Suter up to full match fitness, I think you'll see a huge change because I do think the guy's a class act and I'm pleased that we've got him. I just hope that that's him finished. His injury worries, but that's my biggest fear is because we all know what's happened to him. Uh, Can't rely on it, can you? No, and as I say, I do think he'll be a huge boost defensively for us because I don't think we would be getting as, you know as many of the same mistakes as we have been if he was in the back there. Question is, who who do you take out when he is fully fit to go in there? So that's for the manager to decide and no for me. Yeah. So the next game we've got to cover is Saturday the 4th of March. It was at home to Kilmarnock in the Premiership. We won 3-1. Dave, you had a football match to go to and I had a, a day out, didn't I? So. Yeah, unfortunately, family and work are getting in the way of Glasgow Rangers, Derek, which is unacceptable. But uh, I never had any choice and I missed the game. I had to watch the back the full match on RTV on my days off there, fortunately. And you, as I say, had commitments also. So maybe the first time, Derek, in a very long time, that neither of us were able to watch the game live so I think we've done well up until this point do you agree? Yeah the pints were more interesting <laughs> at this point to be honest after the last game so yeah so there was four changes from the Celtic game we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis Barisic, Jack, Raskin, Cantwell, Sakala, Kent and Cholak on the subs bench we had McLaughlin, Lundstrom, Hadji, Suter, Kamara, Morelos, Wright, Arfield and Devine so really the team we arguably wanted to start against Celtic with yeah. uh, Raskin and Cantwell starting. Yeah, and Jack as well. Yeah. Uh, Derek, as I say, we spoke about Jack. He would be in the team every single week if he was fit, but another one that has numerous injury problems. Yes. Well, we started off fantastic because we scored in the sixth minute with Goldson scoring. There's a short corner into the box. Cholak lays it off to Cantwell, who shoots. It was blocked, rebounded back out to him. He shoots again. It was once again blocked, rebounded out to Cholak. He shoots, saved by the keeper, but spilled to the back post and tapped into the back of the net by Goldson. It was actually quite a good finish, to, to, to be fair <laughs> to Goldson, uh, Derek, because it all happened so quickly. So, poacher's instinct fired and really unlucky with the other two shots there some good blocking good defending but thankfully for us fell at the back post and Goldson was able to batter it into the net 
Yep. I'm going to cover this half very quickly and the second half very quickly as well because it was really all us. I think Kilmarnock had maybe one or two half chances in the first half, but it was really all us. I don't know if it's because we already knew the result and we were watching it. I felt the game was a bit mundane and boring, but it was all us anyway. And we did end up scoring on the 25th minute with Sakala scoring, making it 2-0. It was a long cross into the box by Cantwell. A bit of fortune as it hits off the defender and right to Cholak who had his back to goal and nicely off to Sakala who placed the shot into the back of the net. I thought he was going to blast it, but it was a great piece of play by Sakala just to do that wee placed shot. It was because he'd had a couple of really good chances before that, Derek, so you could have forgiven him for uh, trying to uh, lash it in, but he kept his head and, you know, really steady finish by him. Yeah. And then a bit of bizarre refereeing here because on the 41st minute, the ball was played into the Kilmarnock box. Vociferous claims for the handball, I think it was Cholak, as the defender looked to have potentially controlled it with his forearm. Nothing given. Play raged on for another two minutes. Colm eventually got a call for to go to the screen. And then on the 44th minute, those three words you love to hear, penalty to Rangers. The ball, I think, played him, but it definitely hit his upper arm. And... Who knows with the handball rule, but in this day and age, that was a handball, Dave. Yeah, and again, you said the man's name, Willie Collum, so he obviously thought it was going to be controversial in some way or his actions. So again, it's all about Willie Collum as it always is, but Derek delighted that we got the penalty regardless. Yes, it looked as if Cholak was going to take the penalty, but he handed the ball to Tavernier on the 45th minute, up steps up Tavernier, and he blasts the ball into the left side. Keeper dived the right way, but it was far too accurate, 3-0. Yep, excellent score at that stage, Derek, and exactly what we were looking for at that stage completely dominant, playing really well, scoring three early goals and setting us up nicely. Yeah, so delighted with that. It's the way it should be done. Game over within the first half as well. And I don't know if that fed into the second half or certainly part of the second half because really there was no changes at halftime and the first 25 minutes of that second half were dire. Yeah, it was really poor. I think more poor for the fact of how lacklustre that we were and, you know, giving the ball away so cheaply, we couldn't seem to pass the ball to more, you know, two two players and then we would give the ball away or we would get closed down. Really lackadaisical and that's I think, was the, the really frustrating bit about it. Yeah, I, I think you, you said it there, giving the ball away. Yep. I don't know how many times yep. we've done it. And then that led to the Kilmarnock goal on the 60th minute. It was a corner in from the left to the back post, header by the Kelly player to the middle, then another header by the Kelly player right in the front of McGregor into the back of the net. Sloppy defending again. However, the Kelly player who first headered it, he was climbing all over Goldson. So for me, a foul should have been given. Yeah. And again, before that, going back to the game before, which I know we've covered, Derek, the warning signs just before they, they scored that goal had been because they had put in an almost identical cross in, into the box and really should have scored then. And it's it's times like that that you're saying to the team, right, you've been lit off with it. Make sure they don't even get the opportunity to do that again. And within a minute... <laughs> Kilmarnock had scored as you say Derek there was a lot of clambering in there it could have been given as a foul but it wasn't and we conceded the goal then and as I say it was almost a carbon copy a minute before so they just don't seem to learn from these chances that you know that we're having against them so that that's the a worrying thing as well yeah 
72nd minute, Raskin off, Lundstrom on, and then we started to get a wee bit more control of the game. We sat back a wee bit more, got the control back, and we, we nullified anything that Kilmarnock had to do. Sakala came off on the 82nd minute, Morelos came on, and then right in the, the death of the game, 92nd minute, Cantwell, Cholak and Davis off, Hadji, Arfield and Suter getting his first team yes. debut at Ibrox as well for yeah, two minutes. Exactly, yeah. No, good to see. I realise it was the end of the game, but, you know, good to see him back in the team and back out on on the pitch. Yep. As ever though, there was obviously controversy in the game because a lot of folk claiming no, that shouldn't have been a, a penalty for Rangers with a handball. Well, I just think there's a lack of consistency. Nobody knows the handball rule. The Dermot Gallagher said it shouldn't have been a, a handball. He said that in Sky Sports. First time Lint, funnily enough, has ever mentioned Dermot Gallagher <laughs> because... Gallagher's normally pretty fair and he's normally said yeah always is a penalty to Rangers but uh, and then obviously there was at the start of the second half where there was allegedly claims for a penalty for Kilmarnock when McGregor fell into the the Kilmarnock attacker but for me it was an off the ball instant he had already put it out for the corner at this point McGregor stumbled and did fall into him did he take him out? Absolutely, but that's because he stumbled. It wasn't a an intentional thing. Plus, the ball was already out, I believe, as well. So, yeah. But that's how the game ended up. So, got to be happy yeah. at the first half, second half. Why can't we just get a ninety-minute performance, Derek? Let's flip it a wee bit. And how many times have we said over the past few seasons? that Rangers have been absolutely dreadful in the first half and managed to raise their game in the second half. We've said, why can we not kill off teams in the first half and go into the second half with being a lot easier? That's exactly what happened in that last game. Exactly. But we're still not happy. (laughs) We're still not happy. I, uh, once I watched the game back and I saw all the the tweets that were coming in at halftime, everybody was raving about how well we'd played, how well that was the team that should have started against Celtic. If we'd have put that team out, it'd have been a different game. All of that. The uh, everybody was going, you know, how how well we played, but that's what we've been looking for. We've been looking to go out and batter teams in the first half and make it easy in the second half. Didn't help much that, as you said, there we were, you know, giving the ball away constantly. That's no great, but the game was won at that stage. So I would rather that than us chasing the game in the second half, and that's what we've been doing. So. We're never happy, are we? I think it's more a symptom of the time we're living in as well just now, given what's happened in the previous game, the way we've been playing this year as well. I think if we had been constantly given 90-minute performances and winning convincingly in the first half, this wouldn't have been an issue this game. But because we've not been doing that and it's, it's been similar to what we've been doing game after game, I think that's the big issue. Give me the rest of the season like that, Derek. Well, we yeah. go out and smash teams in the first half and then we're maybe struggling a bit in the second half, but still winning comfortably. I'll take that any day of the week. Yes. So we've played 27, won 21, drawn four, lost two, scored 64, conceded 24, goal difference plus 40, and we're on 67 points. Still nine behind Celtic, but with a 28 goal difference now. I mean, this is the thing. They were losing at the weekend, 1-0 against St Mirren. They got a red card against the, the St Martin player. It was a red card. Can he take it away? 
And then that just was the catalyst that went yeah. on and battered them yeah. from there. That's the type of thing what we're up against. We can't legislate for that. We're 22 points ahead of Hearts as well. So, games to come Wednesday the 8th of March, away against Hibs. That's in the Premiership. There's a 1945 kickoff. I'm going out for a few pints with my dad beforehand, so I might be half cut doing a post-match with that. Sunday the 12th of March, at home against Wraith Rovers in the quarter-final of the Scottish Cup. That's a 1 o'clock kickoff. I'm going to miss that whole of that game now. On the Saturday the 18th of March, away against Motherwell. That's in the Premiership. That's a 12.30 kickoff. Saturday the 1st of April at home against Dundee United in the Premiership. That's a 1500 kickoff. And to round it out, Saturday the 8th of April away against Celtic in the Premiership, a 12.30 kickoff. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure how it will work out with there. We lose that game depending on other results. Who knows? Derek, I will be in Lanzarote f- f- for that game, so anybody has got any idea of any pubs that I can go and watch that, that's Royal Blue, it would be greatly appreciated. I've never been there before, so uh, suggestions on a postcard, please. Fucking away again. <laughs> so, we'll now go into the news. <laughs> So not a lot of news to cover, we maybe should have covered it before in the injury section, we might actually start a new section Dave, the, the injury section. Yeah, in- yeah, injury report. Yeah. yeah, but Tom Lawrence and Kamal Roof have been ruled out for the rest of the season, shambolic Dave isn't it? I know, I don't know how long Roof's got left on his contract, I genuinely think we just need to cut our losses here, the, you know we, we spoke about it, he's a great talent, he scores goals, but he's just, it's just constant stop start stop start stop start well i feel really sorry for, for the guy because i know he's, he's loving his time here but it's just it's no it's really not worth it and it's just it's incredible how he's been out for so long comes back and scores the winner in one game <laughs> scores another goal and then that's him out again for the rest of the season i spoke about lawrence there before he's never been injured in his career yeah. until he's came here and that's him out as well. Really disappointing, Derek. Really, really d- disappointing. But after I feel for Roof. Do you know how, how how long he's got left on his contract? I have no idea. Nah, I don't know, but it is a shame. Whatever it'll be, it'll be half of it will be out injured anyway. Oh, with a with a shadow of a doubt. With yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Talking of cut on our losses, James Sands has left the club. He's been allowed to end his loan early and go back to his parent club, New York, as their season is about to start. He was played out of position largely with us, had a few good games. We wish him well, but I'm glad we never paid whatever it was, something like £5 million for him or something. Yeah, I mean, he was just all right, Derek. I can't honestly say he said he had a few good games. I'm struggling to actually think of the good, good games that he had. Few people fancied, you know, that that he would be no, no bad, but no, I'm quite glad that that one didn't come. We tried it, it didn't work, so all the best to him. Yep. Now, next piece of news here. It was arranged before the final, but it happened after. Apparently, we had hired a sports psychologist to into the club to talk about mentality. <laughs> I mean, many clubs do this these days. Certainly much need, needed for the reasons outlined before. Derek, I'm sure that me and you could do that job for them for a much lesser amount of money going and actually speak to the players about mentality and things there but I think we would maybe be uh, uh, targeting the same players every single time we spoke to them so I think it would be more like the Fergie hairdryer treatment <laughs> we would give them <laughs> 
And the last piece of news here. Now, Dave, I don't know if you're into your F1, but I was watching Drive to Survive on Netflix, the new series that had just came out, and an old RTV employee was popped up. RTV presenter Alice Headworth was oh, working right. for Red Bull Racing. Okay. So that's a massive uh, job she's got there, isn't it? It's, it certainly is. Not, I'm not a huge fan, Derek, but my son is a massive fan, so anytime any of the F1's on live, he's always got, got it on and uh, watching it. So I'm quite up to date with drivers and things like that but it's it's not really my cup of tea Derek no oh well but done well for herself anyway yeah definitely so man has penis chopped off after doctor's medical mistake ends in amputation disaster <laughs> dear, dear right a surgeon in Italy will be investigated by the country's top health officials after they erroneously removed the man's penis <laughs> The urologist removed the man's family jewels after he wrongly diagnosed him as having a cancerous tumour. I can't ever remember having a tumour in your belly end, you know. Uh, um, uh, who knows? Uh, Possibly. The unnamed patient what? has his penis surgically removed oh. in the hospital on the 13th of November 2018. The ill-fated procedure occurred after the urologist incorrectly diagnosed the patient understood to be a man aged in his late 60s Oof. one month before the amputation occurred. Despite the misdiagnosis, the amputation went down without a hitch, so at least they got that bit right. <laughs> Probably not the bit you want to muck up. No. Though. The doctors made the sickening discovery during a post-op analysis of the man's now mutilated member. Oh. In a gut-wrenching moment, doctors found there was no tumour at all and he had removed the band's perfectly healthy penis oh, for no reason at all. The mortified patient is now seeking compensation <laughs> in the wake of the ma- medical stuff-up. And this was in Italy, and yes. not, not the NHS in no. Great Britain, Derek. No, no, the best for him, Derek. I know I didn't like to laugh at folks' mis, uh, misfortunes, but that's a story and a half, that one. Well, I'm guessing his name was not John Wayne Bobbitt. Then, no, right? definitely not. You could see how that happened, but uh, I bit inexcusable there by, by, by the doctor, so uh, no, no, the best for that poor boy. He might be walking like John Wayne. <laughs> exactly. Know. Yes. So on that note, we will end the podcast. So Dave, it's been a, a tough one to go through, a lot of issues. I, I think perspective is needed. It's never good losing to Celtic, absolutely not. But the mentality of the club, of, of some of these players need to change and rapidly. But I, I, I get the sense, Dave, it's the players that need to be moved on rather than mentality change. Yeah, uh, again, a, a lot was said about the midfield against Celtic, Derek, but time and time again, it looks as if it's really coming for the core of the defence there, isn't it? The same same ones, same mistakes, time and time again, and without new pit personnel, it's just going to stay the same, isn't it? So I, th- I think we've covered everything, Derek, to be fair. Yep. So on that note, We'll say thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.